Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the sixth season of the Combustion Chronicles podcast, where bold leaders combined with big ideas to make life better for all of us. I'm your host, Sean Nason, CEO and founder of Mofi. As an experienced evangelist, I believe the only way to build a sustainable and thriving business is by putting people first. This season is all about human-obsessed, maverick-minded influencers who are changing the business landscape by standing up for what's right, prioritizing relationships over transactions, and taking a few risks along the way. Mavericks think differently, and human-obsessed mavericks take all of that mavericky stuff up a notch. Filled with empathy, these special Mavericks put their heads and hearts into action to think bigger and more boldly about changing the world each and every day. Ready to blow up the status quo and ignite a people first experience revolution? Yeah, me too. Let's do this. For over 30 years, Bob Berg has been successfully showing entrepreneurs, leaders, and sales professionals how to communicate their value and accelerate their referral business. Although for years, he was best known for his sales classic, Endless Referrals, it's his business parable, The Go-Giver, co-authored with John David Mann, that has created a worldwide movement. Part of a four-book series, the book has sold more than 1 million copies and been translated into 30 languages. Bob is an advocate, supporter, and defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. Welcome to the Combustion Chronicles, Bob. Thank you, Sean. Honored to be with you. It is so great to have you here. And just a quick, brief introduction question here for you. Throughout my crazy career, I've met a lot of go-getters, but I'm really, really honored to talk to the man who coined Go-Giver on this episode. So you spent a lifetime in sales, which can seem like a dog-eat-dog world. So how did you discover the principles you describe in the Go-Giver? Well, I think I was very lucky to have as examples people that I, I got to see and people who I read and listened to and watched. And what I really saw was was that the people who were the most sustainably successful people were the ones who were focused on bringing immense value to the lives of others. And let's face it, there's plenty of people in sales who do things uh, in a way that we would admire and in a way we wouldn't admire. And there are times that there were people who do things in a less admirable way. And they can still make some sales and they can still, you know, do fairly well over time. But it's a tough way to make a living that way. The salespeople who do terrific, both short term and sustainably long term and who are happy with themselves and and who feel good about themselves and have a fulfilling career. These are people who really have been able to shift their focus off of themselves and place it onto others. And there's nothing about this that is goody two shoes or you know unrealistic or anything. I often say when I when I speak at conferences, I'll <laughs> say to the audience, you know, nobody's gonna buy from you because you have a quota to meet. And we'll all laugh because we know that's true. Nobody's gonna buy for our reasons. They're buying for their reasons. They're gonna buy from us 
because they believe that they will be better off by doing so than by not doing so. So doesn't it make sense logically, rationally, that that salesperson who could take their focus off of themselves and actually place it on bringing immense value to others, those are the people who create the relationships that lead to sales. I love that. But I also love the fact that the Bob, we use this terminology, a maverick mindset. And I'm somebody who likes to swim against that tie. I'm known for showing up in corporate board meetings in a t-shirt and shorts. So I'm a bit of a maverick. So I have to believe most people would call your five laws, a stratospheric success, pretty radical, even though you say they're as old as humanity. So I love that. But especially during a time of economic uncertainty right now, how can you tell people that the best way to get a head is to shift their focus from getting to giving. First of all, in, in terms of these laws being, you know, what you'd call from a, a maverick or a maverick mindset, I think they're all meaning, you know, different or, or counterintuitive. That's only to the masses. <laughs> but the yeah. people who are the, again, sustainably successful very top producing, top money earning salespeople, there's nothing maverick about it at all. This is how they run their lives and conduct their businesses. They're always looking for ways to, uh, you know, to again, focus on that, that other person. But if we look at, you know, especially uh, during times of economic uncertainty, that's the time you have to more than any other time focus on that other person. Because during times of economic change or, or economic uncertainty, people are typically less willing to buy, right? Uh, why? Because they don't have the money to spend and, and they're afraid of taking a chance and who can blame them. So that means that that salesperson needs to more than any other time focus on them, focus on making sure that person understands they're safe, you know, that there's a, a lack of risk, that the salesperson truly has their best interest and well-being in mind. That's really an innate understanding that you have that I have because we do have that tendency to be maverick-minded. But I would vouch to say that most people don't have that. And so I, I, I hope people are listening to that here and the listeners are getting what you're, what you're giving them here. So thanks for sharing that. I, I mean, I think it's really powerful. Our company, Mophie, we focus our energy on improving like this entire experience ecosystem, we call it, not just fixing the customer experience, but employee experience, all experiences, digital vendor. But you yourself have created an ecosystem of services around this concept to Go-Giver and your other books. And I love how you created the Go-Giver community. What was burning inside of you to create a community that you could scale up with your coaching business and just letting readers solve their problems by themselves? What was that drive to create that community? Well, I think it's a belief in the message itself and a belief that we are bringing value to those who, you know, who utilize these principles. And of course, this is what we do for a living. So I always consider a person very, very fortunate when what they do for a living is something that they love and something that can bring value to others and something that can bring a, a very nice income. So, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing like doing what you love. That's right. So let's shift gears a little bit and talk about conferences, because I think you and I both attend those a lot. And I know you've spoken at audiences of 50, but, uh, you know, 15,000 as well. Coming out of this pandemic, what do conferences need to do to create better experiences for attendees, vendors, and speakers? 
Well, on a macro level, they just have to make it the best experience they can. And one that really good conference producers have handled very well over the years. You know, you go to conferences that people are comfortable and and uh, the program runs on time. And it, yeah, you know, and it's a great experience. You go to some where the experience isn't as, as great. So I think this, the, it's sort of, you know, the same as it always was in that way. Now, obviously, as we're coming out of a pandemic, there are different concerns. There are concerns for safety and there are concerns concerns for, uh, you know, all the other elements that go along with a situation that can lead to a to someone's getting sick. So I think conference planners need to be cognizant of different people having different levels of concern. Again, it just continues to go back to, are you focusing on your audience? <laughs> are you is, is that conference promoter or conference producer? Are they focusing on on what the audience members care about? What I love about what you're saying there, though, Bob, and I think, again, this is a thread that I'm hearing over is bringing value, right? How do you continue to bring value and put others first? That's a whole philosophy that we talk about, about humanizing business ecosystems. Right. So some people might hear that and think it's a recipe for failure. But in The Go-Giver, you say, quote, a giving spirit is not one of self-sacrifice, codependence, or martyrdom. Placing others' interests before your own doesn't mean negating your own needs and interests. So how do you know where to draw the line and how much giving is too much? Yeah, it's an excellent question. So so let's look at, at it on a few different levels. First, what really do we mean by this? So let's look at what it is and what it isn't. <laughs> Being a go-giver simply means understanding that shifting your focus, and this is, again, the key, and, and as you said, this is what, what you've seen kind of throughout our conversation, shifting your focus from getting to giving. When we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others, understanding, Sean, that not only is this a more fulfilling way of conducting business, it is the most financially profitable way as well, not for some way out there, woo-woo, magical, mystical type of reasons, but for very logical reasons. When other people know you care about them and have their best interest at heart, they're much more likely to feel good about you, to want to get to know you, to like you, to trust you, and want to do business with you. Okay, now, but why is it, you know, placing other people's interests first, not self-sacrifice? Well, because we're a giving spirit, if you will, and that's important to know. There's absolutely nothing about being a go-giver that is congruent with being anybody's doormat or a martyr or self-sacrificial in any way. It's simply this. It's understanding, just as Joe, the protege in the story, learned from several of the mentors, the golden rule of business, of sales, what have you, is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. Well, you know, there's no faster, more powerful or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you from others than by genuinely and authentically moving from what we call an I focus or me focus to what we call an other focus. Or as Sam, one of the mentors in the story, advised Joe, the protege, it's making your win all about the other person's win. Okay, so now let's go to your your great question about drawing the line, how much is giving too much? And, and I think really the gist of that question is, aren't I going to be taken advantage of, right, if I operate this way? Well, the answer is anyone can be taken advantage of. And I, I often say this to people, that if you 
find yourself being taken advantage of, I'm not talking about, you know, once or twice or three times. I mean, in our lives, unless we never talk to anybody or never trust anyone, well, there are times we're going to get taken advantage of. That's called being human. Okay. And if it happens every so often, well, it happens, but I'm not talking about that. I mean, if you find yourself as a pattern being constantly and consistently taken advantage of, it's not because you're a nice person. It's not because you're a giving person. It's because you're doing things in a certain way that's creating the environment for you to be taken advantage of. And when that's the case, then they really need to ask themselves, why is it that I'm putting myself in this position? Why is it that every time this happens, I'm involved, right? What payoff, and, and yes, payoff, because this is unconscious, not necessarily conscious. What payoff am I receiving yeah. by being the victim, right? Is it a punishment to myself because I don't, because I have worthiness issues? Is it that I don't have the tools to say no when I should say no? Is it uh, that I get a, a, a some sort of attention from being the victim? Is it that being taken advantage of gives me an excuse to not do the things? I, and again, I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying that there are always reasons why this is the case, and it has nothing to do with being a good person. You've got to be able to say no when you should say no. So now let's go to the actual question about drawing the line. You draw the line where the line should be drawn. And it's typically not something that is a decision you should be making right there. It's something you should know in advance in terms of of principle. Let's let's just take an example that comes up a lot. I get this with with business coaches, okay? Who yep. by the nature of what they do, right? They create a lot of content or they they talk to people and people ask them questions, they ask them for advice, and they're giving them great advice, great coaching uh, because they're figuring, well, this person will see the value I'm providing and want to uh, retain me as their coach, right? But what they find is people just keep coming back to them to and asking more questions without offering to, to actually be a client. Well, if this is something that's a pattern, this is great because you know it and you can now work within that. And so what you do is you, you make the decision to yourself that you're gonna have, whether it's again, one conversation with someone or ask a couple of questions, whatever. But at a certain point when you feel it's appropriate, you say, you know, it sounds as though you're receiving some value from our, our discussions. And they say, oh yeah. Say, well, you know, that's fantastic. You know, this is actually what I do as a profession. And if yeah. you would like to have a, a, a professional relationship with me where I'm your coach and you're my client, I'd be absolutely honored to do that. Is that what you would like to do? You know, or would you like to go ahead and do that? You know, whatever you're, you're the way yeah. you're comfortable saying it. Okay, so now that's it. Now the person can say yes or no, or now you can then find out what it is that that you can go more into a discovery and find out exactly what this person is looking for. So then you're able to then turn that person into a client, what what have you. But again, the the whole thing is that since you know this is happening as a pattern, now you're in a position to be able to work within that in a positive, constructive way. Thanks immensely. I have to think though, that right now, people that are listening, some are saying, I can't wait to get started. And others are saying, I don't know how to get started. So if you were sitting down right now with a small business owner, what would you tell them to do first to adopt a go-giver mindset? And what would you tell someone who works at a business where the mindset wouldn't be welcome? 
Oh, okay. So the, the first one, and let me answer the first one first. You just help that person see first. So the first law is, about, uh, is all about providing value. So you have them begin by seeing how they can best provide value to their target market. Assuming they have a targeted market, they should have a pretty good idea of what their, their market needs, wants, and desires while also knowing that everyone's an individual. So it's also very important to not assume that everyone in that market wants the same thing, right? So what are the questions that you can ask when you speak with someone to really discover those needs, wants, and desires? You've also got to understand that value, see value is different from price. Price is a dollar figure, a dollar amount. Value is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, your product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that would bring so much worth or value to someone they would willingly exchange their money for it? Well, what we've got to understand, the, the biggest part of that, that explanation or definition is value is always in the eyes of the beholder. Yeah. It's not what we think is of value about what we do or what we think they should think is of value about what we do. It's what they think is. So the first aspect of providing value, giving value to another human being is to understand what that individual finds to be of value. That's the first thing. Now, then the second part is the second law. Law of compensation says your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So you've got to have a plan to be able to go out there and be able to attract people to you and to be able to attain referrals and introductions from those people who you're serving so that you can serve more and more and more people. And so I would I would start with that first. Brilliant. So then what would you tell someone who works then at a business where this mindset wouldn't be welcome? Okay, so this is very important because while a person can lead to a certain point from any position within a company. And there's been certainly numerous books on that topic. People like Mark Sanborn and Robin Sharma have, have written wonderfully on that. While you can lead from anywhere for a culture to take on a certain ethos, if you will, okay, there's got to be buy-in from the top. Because when it comes to a company culture, it comes from the top and trickles down. If the leader is not invested in that type of culture, it isn't gonna happen, okay? So while you can, to a certain extent, you know, kind of lead those around you and maybe even a level up, <laughs> you might be fighting a losing battle if the leadership in that company is not going to allow you to work that way. Then of course you have a decision to make if this is a company that you should still stay with or if it's something where you need to look for an opportunity with a company who plays by the rules that you, you know, feel are right. Which, and by the way, if, if someone's listening and feeling, well, I don't think my company will ever do that. I, I should quit right now. No, don't do that. You know, you've got to work within where you are right now, but you might still start looking and keeping your eyes open. But don't don't assume though that that uh -huh. is the case. Things things can change. Okay, but 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 really, there does need to be buy in pretty much at the top, or not even pretty much at the top, at the top for this kind of change to take place. If that's just not the company culture. Well, we could ask a hundred more questions here, Bob, but it has come to that point. In this episode, where we have come to the combustion questions, which are three randomly selected questions that I was just handed that I just saw for the first time and you haven't seen. Are you ready for your three combustion questions? I cannot genuinely tell you that I am ready, only that I will do my best. 
Awesome. So combustion <laughs> question number one, Bob, is if you won a billion dollars in the lottery, mm-hmm. what crazy fun things would you indulge in? Oh, I would make sure that every animal cause, every animal rescue cause out there is totally and absolutely funded to the gills. So that would be my fun thing. Awesome. I love that. I'm a dog person, so it would probably be dog ones for me. But yes, love it. Combustion question number two. Do you prefer sneakers, sandals, or something else? Yeah, I usually wear those... um, I think they're called boat shoes, even though I'm never on a boat, but uh, you know what I mean? They're not, they're not yes. sandals. They're, I don't know exactly what they are and they're not shoes, but they're very comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> they're boat shoes. And I know exactly I they what are. you're okay. talking about. I yeah. absolutely know what you're talking about. Um, all right, Bob, last question. What do you think about power strips? I think they're great when they serve the purpose they're supposed to serve. <laughs> I told you they'd be fun questions, Bob. Yeah, that one um, that so, one kind of took me by surprise. I would not have go. expected that one ever. So I've never been go. asked before what I thought of power strips. <laughs> well, now you have been. Now I have. So, thank you, Sean. So thank you so much, Bob. Um, hey, how can our audience find out more about you? Where is the best place to reach out to you? Yeah, best place is my website, which is Berg, and that's B-U-R-G.com. I like to keep things very simple. And while they're there, they can scroll down and and read a chapter of any of my books if they like to see if they like them. They can also check out our Go-Giver Success Alliance online mentorship community if they'd like to do that as well. Awesome. Well, Bob, thank you so much. And um, we look forward to talking to you again. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Combustion Chronicles. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to subscribe, rate, and review. Remember that I'm always looking to meet more big-thinking mavericks. So let's keep the conversation going by connecting on LinkedIn. If you want to discover more about human-obsessed, maverick-minded experience ecosystems, go to mofi.co, where you'll discover ideas and resources to help you ignite your own experience revolution. And be sure to check out my book, Kiss Your Dragons, Radical Relationships, Bold Heart Sets, and Changing the World, available on Amazon, and then head right over to SeanNason.com to engage resources, a discussion guide, and information about everything from self-paced learning to personal coaching. As always, stay safe, be well, and keep blowing shit up.